1: I got it! Tool call! Hammer! Hammer! Wrench! Wrench! Drill! Drill! Great job, Kapow! Great job, Kapow! Oh, no, wait, that's me! Great job, Lucy! Wow! Oh, brother! Now all we have to do is turn this thing on! (laughs) Let the show begin! It's me, Kapow, the mechanical pygmy goat beaming into your ears all the way from Pflugerville. You probably know me best as Lucy Wow's sidekick and as a world champion eater of socks, but I'm also an expert on the subject of invention. In fact, as a sidekick, I've helped Lucy Wow invent all sorts of things, even a bathtub car. Today, I wanna talk to you about a very important part of invention. Mistakes! That's right! One of the things I've learned over the years is that sometimes the best inventions come from mistakes. Like, for example, the Super Soaker! I don't know about you, but I've always loved squirt guns! You add a little mustard, wrap them up in a pair of swim trunks, and yum! A sandwich! Oh, I'm hungry just thinking about it. But squirt guns aren't just delicious, they're also fun! and they have been for a long time. In fact, the oldest surviving example of a squirt gun dates back to 1896. Whoa. Back then, squirt guns were made of metal and rubber squeeze bulbs, and they couldn't shoot very far. They basically just squirted a little bit of water, hence the name squirt gun. But then Lonnie George Johnson came along and changed everything. Born in the segregated South, Lonnie as an African-American wasn't granted the same rights as everyone else because of his skin color, but Lonnie didn't let this terrible injustice stop him. Instead, he got inventing and made the world a better place for the next generation of kids. A much better and much wetter one, thanks to his super soaker. Now, according to Lonnie, he always liked to tinker with things, because of this, Lonnie earned the nickname, The Professor, from kids in the neighborhood. As a teenager, Lonnie represented his school in a science fair in Alabama, where he was the only black student in attendance. For the competition, he created a robot named Linux that was powered by compressed air. And even though his robot wasn't pygmy goat shaped, he still won first prize. Johnson then attended Tuskegee University, worked for the U.S. Air Force, and eventually joined NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory in 1979. Wow, talk about impressive. I bet you're thinking someone as impressive as that never made mistakes, right? Wrong! Lonnie, like all inventors, made tons of mistakes. The difference between Lonnie and most people is that he didn't let the mistakes stop him. He learned from them. Which brings us back to squirt guns. While at NASA, Lonnie was working on an idea for an improved heat pump, a device that would mechanically transfer heat from one place to another for a space mission when his creation sprang a leak and a burst of water shot across the room. The whole room was soon soaking wet. Rather than be upset, Lonnie thought, that would make a great squirt gun. So Lonnie took plexiglass, PVC pipe, and a 2-liter soda bottle and started building the world's greatest squirt gun. If he couldn't find the parts he needed, he made them himself. That's one of the advantages of being an inventor and tinkerer, he says. I have everything I need to make what I need. Once it was ready, Lonnie gave his invention to his 6-year-old daughter. This original prototype, which Johnson still has, wasn't pretty. But boy, was it cool it could shoot water nearly 40 feet. This high powered squirt gun quickly became the hit of the neighborhood. What started as a mistake had turned into something amazing. He called it the Power Drencher. And Lonnie just knew that it could make a big splash in the world of toys. In 1989, Lonnie went to Laramie Toy Company's headquarters to show off what the Power Drencher could do. He said not a word, took aim, and shot an immense stream of water all the way across the executive boardroom. Laramie's president was immediately impressed, and Johnson and the company signed an agreement. But Lonnie still had a lot of work to do improving his design. Let's talk about that design. Where old squirt guns were powered by squeezing water out of a tube with hand pressure, the super soaker was designed so that water was pumped into an empty plastic container. Still to this day, shaped like a big soda bottle. As the water is pumped in, the air sitting inside becomes compressed or squished. When the trigger is pulled, the valve opens and the squished air stretches out, forcing the water out of the soaker at super high speed. Once Lonnie had perfected his design and come up with a new name, they released the first super soaker into the world. The toy was instantly popular. How popular? Within two years of its introduction, in 1990, Lermy had sold over 10 million super soakers, generating over 200 million in sales that year alone. The super soaker had only gotten better and more popular over the years. That one little mistake ended up making over a billion dollars and turned that boy born in segregated Alabama into a man worth over 360 million dollars! So next time you make a mistake, remember, you might have just found the key to becoming a millionaire toy maker. But just to be clear, Lonnie doesn't think of himself as a toy maker or a millionaire. I'm a tinkerer, Johnson says. I love playing around with the ideas and turning them into something useful or fun. (laughs) Me too, Lonnie, me too. I might also make them edible, but that's just me.
0: Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Do you like to laugh? Ah, who am I kidding? Who doesn't like to laugh? So, okay, if you love to laugh, you'll love Don't Break the Rules.
1: It's me, Kapow, the Mechanical Pygmy Goat, coming to you live from Lucy Wow's barn in Pflugerville. While most days I'm super busy being Lucy Wow's sidekick and official eater of wrenches and hats, today I've set aside some time to talk to you about my favorite subject, invention. Oh, why do I love invention so much? Because I was invented. Lucy Wow invented me so that she would always have tools nearby and sweet tunes to listen to. <laughs> I'm not just a sidekick. I'm a walking toolbox, boombox invention. And no one knows more about invention than someone who is an invention. <laughs> Oh, you'll have to excuse me for eating, but today's classic invention was looking so delicious, I just had to eat one. But don't worry, there's plenty of yo-yos to go around. That's right, today we're talking about the yo-yo. You probably haven't eaten one, but most likely you've used one. But have you ever thought about how a yo-yo was invented in the first place? (laughs) I mean, there are no yo-yo trees, and that means that once upon a time, there were no yo-yos. Like all inventions, the yo-yo began as an idea. Now, who had the idea isn't exactly certain, but whoever it was lived in China thousands of years ago. By 500 BC, their idea had spread, and yo-yos were the most popular toy in ancient Greece. And they just kept spreading. Archaeologists have found drawings of yo-yos inside ancient Egyptian temples, and Napoleon and his army were even seen relaxing with yo-yos before the Battle of Waterloo. The yo-yo trend was one for the ages. Of course, these yo-yos were different than the ones you and I eat, I, I mean, play with today. They called them discs back then, and they were just that, discs, tied to a string that you swung around and rolled up and down. But that all changed when the discs were introduced to the Philippines. In the Philippines, they speak a language called Tagalog. And in Tagalog, yo-yo means come and go, which was a perfect name for the toy. But the Filipino people didn't just rename the toy. They innovated it by using a loop instead of a knot around the axle. Oh, an axle is the name of the round connector piece that goes between two disks or wheels. When the string was looped rather than tied in a knot, It allowed the yo yo to spin or sleep at the end of the string for a long time. With this change, the yo yo could now hover in place rather than just go up and down and up and down and. Oh, whoa! I just got dizzy. In any case, the new and improved yo yo was capable of doing an infinite number of tricks. Which brings us to the most important person in yo yo history the father of the modern yo yo, a man named Pedro Flores. Pedro was born in the Philippines and came to the United States in 1915. While working as a bellboy to make a living and pay for schooling, Flores read an article about a millionaire who made his money selling a ball attached to a rubber band. This toy reminded Pedro of the yo-yos of his youth in the Philippines, and he saw an opportunity. Pedro initially made yo-yos for neighborhood children by hand, but soon started buying machinery to produce them more quickly. Approximately a year after Pedro opened his yo-yo business, his company was selling 300,000 yo-yos annually. Now Pedro knew that the ability to do tricks was one of the main selling points of his yo-yos. So he created some of the first yo-yo trick competitions ever. Heck, he got so good, he even competed himself. (gasps) Which is why in 1928, a man named Donald Duncan found himself standing on a street in San Francisco watching Pedro entertaining kids with his newest yo-yo model. He couldn't take his eyes off him. Mr. Duncan was so excited by this new toy that he approached Pedro right there and bought Pedro's yo-yo company for $750,000. This may not sound like a ton today, but during this era, it was a fortune. Even though he'd sold the company, Pedro would keep yo-yoing for the rest of his life. He always said, I am more interested in teaching children to use the yo-yos than I am in manufacturing the yo-yos. So while Pedro was teaching, Duncan went to William Randolph Hearst, owner of the nation's largest newspaper chain, and proposed that if Mr. Hearst gave him free ad space, he could increase the popularity of his newspaper through yo yo contests. His idea was that for a kid to enter the contest, they would need to sell two to three subscriptions to the newspaper. Hearst wasn't so sure about this plan. But he gave it a shot in Chicago, and in six weeks, they sold 50,000 subscriptions! It was so successful that Mr. Hearst gave Donald Duncan free ad space in all his newspapers around the world. Mr. Duncan then created teams of professional yo-yo demonstrators and sent them from city to city and schoolyard to schoolyard to entertain kids and promote local yo-yo contests. And it worked! Boy, did it work! The Duncan Company sold 45 million yo-yos in the USA in 1962. And back then, the USA only had 40 million children. And since then, they've just kept selling. And all because thousands of years ago, someone had the simple idea to tie a disc to a string. How could they have guessed that their idea would move across history, being innovated and added to by people from all over the globe until it would finally become a world-famous toy? But that's the thing about ideas. They turn into inventions, and once an invention is out in the world, you never know what it will do. Oh, hi there. It's me, Kapow, the mechanical picnic goat, beaming into your ears all the way from Pflugerville. You might know me as Lucy Wow's sidekick, or you might know me as the creator of the Toe Nailer. Wait, you've never heard of the Toe Nailer? Ah, it's like a toe ring, but rather than making your toe look pretty, it turns your toe into a hammer or nailer. Imagine hammering nails not just with your hands, but with all 10 toes at the same time. Ah, talk about productivity. But did you know that I'm not just an inventor of tools? I was invented, and I am a tool! That's right! Lucy Wow invented me and made all of my parts out of tools so that she could be even more productive. The thing is, though, an invention doesn't have to be practical and efficient like the toenailer. An invention can be just silly and fun, like today's invention, the hula hoop. Now, you might have seen hula hoopers doing their thing on TikTok or YouTube but the hula hoop is actually an ancient invention. How ancient? Well, over 3,000 years ago, the ancient Greeks often used hooping as a form of exercise. So, that's pretty old. Now, older hoops were made from all sorts of stuff. For example, there are records of ancient hoops made from metal, bamboo, wood, grasses, and even vines. In the North American continent, Inuit children used hoops to learn harpooning skills they would roll a hoop and then attempt to throw a pole through it. This fun form of target practice helped teach accuracy for many First Nation and Native American people. Homemade hoops started showing up in the English households in the 14th century and were used by all ages. Hooping became a craze that swept the country until British doctors started blaming the use of hoops for everything from back pain to heart attacks. That's right, the hula hoop was considered a bad habit just like eating socks is today. Ridiculous! Fortunately, the hoop survived. 300 years later, when British sailors first visited the Hawaiian Islands and saw the traditional hula dance, they thought it used similar hip movements as hoopers. And so, the name Hula Hoop was born. In the early 20th century, a modern version of the hula hoop was made of bamboo and used by Australian school children as exercise equipment. In 1957, wham toy company founders saw these Australian hula hoopers while on vacation. And while these kids were just trying to get a good grade in gym class, they saw a hit toy. Within a year, wham created a hollow hoop made out of plastic and my goatness was it a hit. wham sold 25 million hoops in just two months. <laughs> and sales reached $45 million in the first year. Adults bought the toys for children, but usually gave the hoops a try before turning them over to the kids. Before long, adults could be seen swinging their hips around like crazy, hula hooping in competitions around the world. Soon, people started using more than one hoop at a time. They were using their neck, arms, legs, and hands to hoop along with their waist. A record 105 hoops were spun by Jin Lin Lin of China in 2007. Can you imagine spinning 105 hula hoops at the same time? And it didn't stop there. People started using bigger hoops. The world record for the largest hula hoop spun was set by American Ashrita Furman at 51.5 feet. Ooh. That's one big hoop. Now, like I said, no one knows who the first person to spin a hoop around their hips thousands of years ago was, but whoever it was, their invention is still going strong. Videos of hula hooping regularly go viral, and in 2021, when a new hula hooping craze began, the toy became so popular that they sold out everywhere. Who knows? Maybe in another thousand years, people of the future will still be swinging their toes, hammering nails with my invention, the toe nailer. Lucy goes big, and then she goes bigger. Oh, and if you like strange and spooky stories, check out R.L. Stein's Story Club. That's a real winner. I'm in the club, so I get to hear all the stories. And you can too. Keep on the lights, folks. Just search for Bobby Wonder, Lucy Wow, or R.L. Stein's Story Club, wherever you get your podcasts, and you'll find your way. I get a lot of excitement as Lucy Wow sidekick. Sometimes it overwhelms me, and I just, ah, well, you know, faint. Well, today, I got the most exciting news, and I, I, oh, easy kapow, deep breaths, ooh, 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 don't faint. I'm on a t-shirt and a hoodie and a sticker, and ah, I'm so famous, the most famous mechanical pygmy Goat to ever live. Go to GoKidGo.com and check me out. Lucy Wow well merchandise is now available, and you know you need more kapow in your life.
0: Go, kid, go! Do you love time machines, musicals, and jokes? Of course you do! That's why Story Pirates creator Danny Teeger made a brand new podcast called Musical Time Machine. Who says you can't have a dance party while learning about diverse trailblazers? From Abraham Lincoln and Harriet Tubman to George Washington Carver and Thomas Edison... Search for Musical Time Machine on Spotify, Apple, or
1: wherever you get your podcasts to join the fun.